If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Marjorie Wildcraft. I love your last name. Isn't it perfect for you? It is. Yeah. (laughs) It's like your destiny is hidden in your name in plain sight. Marjorie Wildcraft is the founder of the Grow Network, which is a community of people focused on modern self-sufficient living. She has been featured by National Geographic as an expert in off-grid living. She hosted the Mother Earth News Online Homesteading Summit, and she is known for having inspired hundreds of thousands of backyard gardens. Marjorie was the focus of an article that won Reuters Food Sustainability Media Award, and she recently authored The Grow System, The Essential Guide to Modern Self-Sufficient Living from Growing Food to Making Medicine. She is best known for her DVD series, Grow Your Own Groceries. What a great name. She's had over half a million copies in use by homesteaders, foodies, food preppers, universities, and missionary organizations around the world. Welcome, Marjorie. Yep. I'm all about growing food and making medicine and living a great life. So yeah, thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. And you just look amazing. Like your hair is so shiny and your face is glowing. It's, it seems like this healthy living has done you well. It it does. Um, <laughs> excuse me. I have people ask me all the time, you know, what, what face creams are you using or whatever? And I'm like, uh, I don't use any face creams. And they're like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I keep hydrated. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can get the camera to do it. You've got one going there. It's nice. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I eat really clean food, and I get exercise and, and sunshine, and you know, wholesome living. Really, honestly, that's amazing. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Do you do you know the TV show Homestead Rescue? No, I don't. That sounds like a fun one. Yeah, yeah they could probably hire you on that show. <laughs> my yeah. husband, my husband worked on that show for years, uh, probably about three years. And he recently took another job, but I feel like what you're doing is so in alignment with this TV show. And they kind of take people that have maybe had a tragedy, like a volcano eruption in Hawaii or whatever it might be and help them be self-sufficient and live off the land. Wow. I would love to you get your husband to connect me up. I would love I would, to do that. Oh show. yeah. I'm going to be so fun. Yeah. I'm going to definitely connect you because they would really benefit from, from you and your expertise. That's awesome. 
So do you feel like it's possible for anyone to grow their own food regardless of the amount of land that they live on? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I work with people, most of the majority of people are, have like a suburban backyard, uh, but we also deal with people who are apartment and condo dwellers. Um, and then, you know, of course, there are the rural folks that, and honestly, having a lot of land can actually be kind of a problem because then you tend mm. to want to do things too big. And if you start too big, you're going to have a lot of problems. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be able to keep up with it. So actually having a small space is a little bit to your advantage. I also, I work with everything. I've taught this to little kids at school, uh, all the way to elders who, you mm. know, have back problems, um, don't have the mobility, don't have the strength anymore. And you can absolutely uh, be growing your own food, um, you know, with, through, throughout all those ranges. And I've specifically always worked at designing systems with that in, in mind. One example is, by the way, I'm not just about gardens. People think, oh, it's just gardening. No, I'm like chickens, rabbits, anything that's edible, honestly. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, you're not pro vegan or vegetarian. You you think whatever pe- fits for people. Exactly. Yeah. And the Grow Network, which is the organization I founded, um, you know, we're non we're non dietary, we're non political, we're we're not religious affiliate. We're very 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 neutral organization. All we do is focused on the solution of growing food and making medicine. Um, but from my years of looking at what is the fastest and easiest way to get a lot of calories very quickly, I know it's a little upsetting. We do have a lot of people and the, and the vegan movement has a lot of really big heart and, and reasons behind it. Uh, but animal products, honestly, are the easiest, uh, easiest food sources to grow. But to go back to, say, for example, uh, the gardening style I really recommend, which is simplest, easiest, fastest way for somebody to get started is to take two cinder blocks and stack them up and make a raised bed. And the advantage to that is that you can sit on the cinder blocks and reach in. And that way you don't have to be squatting up or down. Uh, so it's very, very accessible to people who you know don't have that mobility or that leg strength or whatever anymore um you know people that are older are out of shape so mm-hmm. uh yeah always work with that in mind because that's a significant amount of our population honestly yeah well you know what i find interesting is that the older people that i know that do gardening they look amazing i mean they're in good shape they're flexible maybe because they're squatting down or i mean why do you think that is do you think gardening can get you in shape as well <laughs> for on on several on several levels mm-hmm. um, you know first of all is the physical level of just getting outside fresh air movement you know um a lot of you know for health you don't really need exercise you need movement and getting out in the garden or working with the chickens or whatever is movement and getting up you know might get up from the computer every hour or so to go check on this or that or the other. It's movement, right? Uh, so mm. simple movement, absolutely. There's there's also the nutritional levels. Um, you know, eating what you grow, uh, you know, you clean, the cleanliness of it. You don't have to worry about, is there anything sprayed on this? You don't have any of the anti-nutrients. And then growing in your own fertile soils, you need way more nutrition than you will from anything that you can buy anywhere. I, even the best farmer's markets, you can grow food that's way better quality and tastes fantastic there's also uh Uh, why is that why is that 
because a lot of people think that like organic, if they buy organic, oh, they have a farm, it must be more nutritious. You know, actually, uh, Stanford Research did a big study on that a while ago. And actually, although organic farmers, you do have cleaner food, it is not necessarily more nutritious. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know this big myth about, you know, I'm eating organic, it's going to be more nutritious. It's not in general, it's not. And, you know, of course, the really small local farmer that you know real well, yes, absolutely. But the vast majority of the commercial organic that's out there now, no. And the reason why is the nutrition that's in that vegetable or in that fruit, it comes from the minerals that are in the soil and how the microbiology and the life in the soil. And, um, you know, big, large scale farming, even if it's organic, can't tend the soil the way you can as a backyard producer. Um, the other benefits of it, though, are, are, as I was starting to go into, is emotional. Um, oh. I don't, you know, we had the whole COVID experience. Uh, I was not at all disturbed when the grocery stores had lines that went around the block or you couldn't get in or the shelves were empty. You know, I mean, yeah, I still buy some things from the grocery store, but it, for me, it just was like a minor inconvenience. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to have to worry about feeding myself or my kids, right? I know that I can do that. There's a just a deep sense of security that comes from that. Like the adrenal glands are no longer stressed. You know, you're not stressing the system. Uh, mentally, there are reams of studies showing, and this is mostly done on school children, but it's definitely applicable to adults, that people who eat higher quality food score higher on intelligence tests. Uh, wow. That's amazing. Okay. So why? Because you've got all your body has all the nutrients it needs. There's life. It's not having to worry about detoxing or cleansing. So you you have more energy available for thinking clearly. You're less stressed. So you're much calmer. So you're able to assess a situation and not react. Um there's, there's also a spiritual component to it that a lot mm-hmm. of people don't realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're growing your own food, you are working directly with the forces of creation with your hands. And I'm going to tell you that magic happens, right? Because you are mm-hmm. working directly with the creation of physical reality. And really, it's incredible what, what, what begins to happen in the stories that, that, that myself and many, many other experienced growers can tell you of just magic. So really, on every level of high, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, uh, growing your own food addresses it. I will also mention that um, almost every centenarian ever interviewed uh, grew or had access to homegrown food for almost all of their life. Wow. That's an amazing correlation. Yeah. In fact, um, I don't know if you've heard of Dave Asprey. He's a, he's a big, I have uh, heard of him. Yeah. Big longevity guy. He was um, a keynote speaker on a, on a, on a big homegrown food summit. I recently hosted and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, well, you know, the dude from Bulletproof Coffee, you know, <laughs> longevity, like he's into nootropics and cryogenics and all this like weird wacko, you know, life extension stuff. Why would he be at a homegrown food summit? And Dave was like, yes, I have a 14 acre homestead and I consider the base of all longevity practices as homegrown food. 
all the other stuff is stuff that I talk about and we sell and da 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 da. But I grow my own, you know, I have my own homegrown food supply because that is the base of any uh, um, longevity uh, practice. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. I know I was listening to someone talk about centenarians and, you know, find out, okay, well, is it because they live off the Mediterranean diet, you know, so they've kind of like looked at different diets and it's probably everything that you said. It's just that it's natural, homegrown or local, maybe to their um, environment or their community. And they're, they're involved in it. You know, I often say that the process of growing food is more health beneficial than actually eating the products. So mm. um, that's amazing. I want to go back to a comment that you said about growing um, your own food in regards to meat. And you said, oh, you know, I might, maybe some vegans <laughs> might be upset about saying it, about but I still think it's, I, well, I mean, we have all audience that listens to this and I just, I think it's interesting. I want to bring it up. Mm-hmm. So when, when you talk about that, do you mean things like chickens and goats or like hunting your food? Do you distinguish between that? Yeah, well, I can I can give you, for example, I developed a really simple three-part system that where you can grow half of your own food in a backyard-sized space, so basically the size of three parking spots mm-hmm. in less than an hour a day. And it involves a garden with like 100 square feet, so two 50-square-foot beds. Um, and that produces, you know, depending on how many growing seasons you have, but somewhere between 30 to 60,000 calories in a year. Which is a you know it's a decent amount of food, but you're not gonna you're not gonna yeah, and you need it because you need the diversity and the colors and the nutrition. Uh, but that's not gonna be enough to do anything significant. I recommend a flock of six uh, chickens, uh, laying hens specifically. Don't get roosters; <laughs> you don't need them. Um, oh, you don't. And why is that? That you the hens will lay just fine without a rooster. Um, oh, you're you're gonna probably cause problems in your neighborhood and you don't want to do that with a rooster but um six six laying hens will produce about 1500 eggs in a year and you know a medium-sized eggs about 64 calories so 1500 calories 1500 eggs is about 94 95,000 calories in a year now that's starting to get pretty substantial and what that translates into from you and me on a practical basis is is three egg omelets for breakfast every morning of the year so you have breakfast covered and then 33 dozen eggs to give away or trade or, or um, you know, gifts or, or, or uh, for friends and family or, or, you know, you know, potlucks. I go to a lot of potlucks and deviled eggs, you know, they're gone. Right? Everybody loves deviled eggs. Oh, yeah. So that's an animal product. And then the other one, which, you know, it starts to get a little edgy for some folks. So don't do this first. But a home rabbitry, again, with one buck and three breeding does. Again, you can fit that into the size of a parking spot, and um, that will produce about 74 rabbits a year, uh, and that's about 230,000 calories, and it's the equivalent, a rabbit is very equivalent to a chicken, Mm -hmm. so that's like having a chicken and a half every week, right, which is enough protein for a family for, um, you know, that's, so that's what, you know, you're trusting, you know, 230,000 calories with a small rabbitry versus six laying hens with 94,000 calories versus a garden bed. 
with 30 to 60,000 calories. I mean, and they're, and they all take, you know, actually the animals take a little less time than the, than the garden does. So mm. when you just crunch the numbers and look at what it's really going to take to operate this thing, um, you know, and, you know, I've been a vegan, I've been a vegetarian, I've done all kinds of stuff. And I actually, I was a raw vegan when I started this journey and I was oh. living in central Texas, Interesting. A very, very, yeah, very harsh climate and the reality of what it took to grow a vegan diet or a vegetarian diet was like, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. Um, and, um, you know, this is why so many cultures have included meat or animal products um, as a part of their, their diets is because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's an easier food source. Right. Easier to get the calories and more accessible. That's, that's so interesting. And then what do you think about like cows and goats and having the milk from that? Yeah. You know, I love that. Um, cows are going to require more land. Um, yeah. but they're, you know, they're extremely useful. If you do have some acreage, you know, some mm -hmm. pasture, uh, goats are also really in incredible animals for that that same reason. But again, you're you're probably going to need some land. They will be happier. I've, I definitely some people raise goats in backyard situations, mm -hmm. but you know, the goats would be happier with a little more land. So uh, <laughs> yeah, to just be cognizant know. of their quality of life. Yeah. Oh, but you know, once you so I have these basic three right with the the gardens, the chickens, and the rabbits, and and you can produce half of the food you need. Uh, if in a backyard size and then I, you know once you got some real basics in place those are the simplest to set up they're the easiest to set up for the average modern american who doesn't know anything it's the most accessible it's the quickest you know to get some big wins in right and then after that yeah the sky's the limit i mean like mushrooms and bees for honey and yeah you know um, maybe goats for or, or sheep for for milk or mm -hmm. um, you know then there's all kinds of medicines to grow and making medicines and uh, you know canning and preserving and you know there's a there's a lot of really wonderful you know there's all kinds of food sources that you can produce uh, and of all of the different ways that you can produce food and even wild crafting you know harvesting and foraging Really, those three, the gardens, the chickens, and the rabbits, are the simplest and easiest and quickest for somebody who has very little experience and may not be in the best shape. So start with that. You know, get some big wins under your belt. Start producing something. And then, you know, yeah, like that's the fun of life is like, oh, my God, I want to grow this wacko crazy variety of tomato nobody's ever grown before. You know, it just gets way fun after that, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Florida and okay. um, I am not a, uh, you know, like a hippie type person. No, no commune or anything like that. Just suburban backyard in Florida. Uh -huh. And my first degree is in electrical engineering. Okay. Um, so not, you know, not really any food production in there. No, no agricultural skills or heritage. Uh, and I had always wanted to live overseas. And I ended up becoming an engineering manager for Motorola. I was based in Hong Kong. Loving it. Having a oh, wonderful time. Oh, very cool. And uh, my I would never like, have imagined that. I'm sure know, people right? say a that. A decade in Asia, <laughs> Like right? loving Hong Kong and everything. Oh, yeah. it was so much fun. It was in the 90s. And uh, while I was there, somebody said, hey, you should, Marjorie, you should. Yeah, I was. I had grown up, we were, we were pretty poor when we, when I grew up in Florida and uh, always interested in money. And uh, somebody said, hey, Marjorie, there's this guy named Robert teaching this class on 
money you want to take it and i said yeah well who is he we don't know so i said well whatever i'll go and this guy inspired me so much that i ended up quitting engineering and starting a real estate investment business in austin texas and the business was so successful robert came to me and said would you be a testimonial on these infomercials i'm making and that's how i became on national television for quite a few (laughs) years promoting robert kiyosaki with rich dad poor dad oh my gosh that's I amazing know, right? i so love there's that no food connection growing in here no food growing i mean i was eating yeah. extremely high quality. i was buying it you know i'm very conscious of that as i was starting yeah. to have a family and then one day i was volunteering like i love to volunteer and get involved in my community i was volunteering on the, I, this project it just seemed like it was just seemed so innocent and sweet right? i had no idea my whole life was going to change uh we were trying to get locally grown organic food uh into the local elementary school Mm-hmm. And uh, that whole project was an utter and complete failure mm. because there were not enough local organic farmers to provide even part of the vegetables to one small rural elementary school. Oh, my God. Not even one school. Yeah. That- we're, outside, we're outside of Austin, Texas, which is kind of like a progressive, you know, uh-huh. foodie area. Right. But but is it because your kids were in elementary school? Is that why you were trying to do it? No, actually, I was homeschooling, but I was just doing community work. You know, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. So um, like I said, it was just kind of this innocent project that just seemed like a really good idea. And then but when I. When that thing fell apart, I'll never forget it happened one night. I mean, we were sitting around we're like, who's going to provide this? And there's like we've got the pen and paper out and there's no no names on it. And. I couldn't stop shaking. My body just shook for hours because there's only four days worth of food in the grocery stores. And it looks like this huge abundance, but I mean, you've seen how fast the shelves can go empty and we're living, yeah. we're, you know, and it, and it all comes with a just-in-time trucking system. And whether we want to admit it or not, in the back of your mind, when you're a city dweller, you're thinking, well, if something really bad happens, there's food out in the countryside. And I had just found out there is no <laughs> still food out in the countryside wow and we have completely destroyed the small family farm network and there's no resiliency in the system and i just i just couldn't stop shaking i had nightmares uh, wow and i just said whatever i've done in my life it's no longer important i've got to figure out how to grow food and i've got to teach people how to grow food because there is someday going to be a crisis where that just-in-time trucking doesn't come in or something happens. And, um, and you know, it, it was bad. Um, I, I kind of got freaked out. Um, I lost relationships and friendships. Like one, one, of my, uh, one of my sisters-in-law was like, Marjorie, <laughs> this United States of America. And we are never going to see empty shelves on our grocery stores. We are never going to have a problem with, with supply chains here. It might happen in them other countries. And I'm like, wow, you know, uh, I think we've already now seen that that's, you know, there is the potential for it and it's already happened to some extent. Right. So fortunately things are kind of coming back now, but there are some huge vulnerabilities. Uh, and so, you know, I bore the brunt of people thinking I was a lunatic and I said, but I know what I know. Mm. And um, I'm, I'm, and I'm really grateful we've we've had all these years for me to build out, to figure, you know, to do the research and to learn and mm. to figure out how the best way to teach and what is the most efficient, you know, the whole, the whole engineering background and the whole financial background. 
really all those skills and, and ability to focus helped me to dial in to what is the most efficient way to grow food? What's the fastest way to grow food? And then I did it to make sure, and I've you know been growing my own food for forever since. And you know, I have to tell you though, at the end of it, I'm so grateful because it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life. You know, I just like, you know, it, it's just, it's just the best thing. Growing your own food is incredible. So I'm really, really grateful. Mm, that's amazing. And so how many kids do you have? I have two. Uh, my son is uh, 23 and my daughter's 21 now. And mm -hmm. yeah, they, they grew up uh, working in the, in the garden, tending the chickens. We used to raise a, a flock of meat birds uh, every year. It's like a three month project and take, get them as baby chicks. They'll arrive in the mail. <laughs> Post office call me up, Marjorie, get these things out of here. I'm like, <laughs> okay, I'll be right down. Um, and you raise them up and then, uh, and then the whole family over a couple of weekends, we process them and we have chicken in the freezer, you know, our own homegrown chicken. And of course we had rabbit and vegetables and fruits and uh, beef and, uh, you know, we just did the whole, the whole lifestyle. Um, yeah. And, and did you homeschool your kids? You said you homeschool them their, their whole life. Uh, my, my daughter, mostly her whole thing. My son and I, we kind of, we were like, uh, you know, <laughs> I can understand so, that. Yeah, I have a so, son and daughter also. <laughs> yeah. So about the fourth grade, he, he started going to the, to the public school and, um, I, I really wish it, it could have been different, but just the configuration we had then that was, that was, that was the best thing for all of us. Um, um, you know, and, and, and they're, they're, they're growing up and they're great kids and they're, they're now really fine adults. Uh, and they've got, of course, everybody has their own challenges in the world, but, um, I'm really happy and proud that they have some real fundamental skills, uh, some life and skills. Yeah. And you know, the, my husband and I, our former husband, we, we definitely shared the same values. And we said, let's, let's, we lived in the barn for a couple of years. And then we said, let's build a house with the kids, you know? And so mm -hmm. they know how to use a, a power drill and, and they know about T-squares and, you know, uh, and they, we literally built the house as they were growing up and it's a wonderful lifestyle. I just, I just love those basically two decades we, we spent together. Um, hard work real hard work, but really great food and great community and a lot of fun. So it's a good, it was a good period. That's amazing. So you had land, you had a lot of land when your kids we were did. growing up. Oh okay. gosh, we did. You know, we went out and we didn't know nothing, right. You know, cause I'm still like, I'm managing this, this uh, real estate investment, you know, I'm used to signing hundred thousand dollar checks, occasionally million dollar checks and negotiating with lawyers and, bankers and and then we're like we're gonna go buy this uh you know we're freaking out and i'm gonna sell off the whole real estate business and we we fell in love with this piece of property which was a really big mistake we we loved <laughs> it but it was just sand there was nothing hardly growing on it and oh no and almost no water it's extremely extremely harsh and, and texas has some really crazy climate uh you know just crazy harsh climate and um you know, but I, we, we didn't know, you know, I mean, that was where, where, where our hearts said we wanted to be. So we went there and um, it actually ended up also being really perfect. Um, Peter Bain of the Permaculture Activist magazine said, Marjorie, you know, you are, 
learning how to grow food and producing a lot of food under some of the toughest uh, yes. conditions possible. <laughs> That's and so you could help others maybe. So I could exactly. And I'm like, well, dang. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks God. Thanks universe. Thank you yeah. God. You know, dang. Uh-huh. Yeah. Back nice. Right. Oh, I just had a, that question about homeschooling because I, I have a seven-year-old daughter and I'm homeschooling mm-hmm. her this year. And, um, and my son is 10 and he does not want to homeschool. So yeah. he's in fifth grade. So. Yeah. My son, it just didn't work. And my daughter, it was really easy. And we got her into, uh, she could respond and you give her things to do and chart check marks to when it's complete. I also utilized a lot of different homeschooling groups that, you know, I would teach some, they would teach some and we all shared. So it wasn't like, it was just, wasn't just me all the time, you know? So, That's great. Yeah. That's wonderful. Okay. So let's go, go back to the grow system. Do you feel like it's possible, um, or do you feel like there's barriers that might hold people back from starting? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really, that's really what I've been trying to confront for the past, you know, 15 or 20 years that I've been doing this. Most people are like, I didn't want to go. The only reason I started growing food because I was scared shitless, basically, <laughs> you know, like, really, you know, like, oh my God, you know? Uh, so, you know, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people have had a big wake up call in the last few years, though. They, they've seen yeah. those empty shelves and they've, right now people are going, Oh my God, you know, a a dozen organic eggs used to be $3 a dozen. It's now six or $8 a dozen now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, or people are seeing the prices going up. And honestly, the numbers that the government is is putting out are are really works of fiction, honestly, compared to what we really know is happening. Oh, you think that they're too low? Oh, absolutely. They are absolutely too low. So, and it's happening, you know, people are going, whoa, now, you know, some people, socioeconomic brackets, it's not a big deal if their if their grocery bill doubles. But for a lot of other people, it's a hardship. Um, so there's that of like, and then just starting anything new, right? You know, if I said, "Hey, do you want to learn powered paragliding?" and you'd be like, "Huh?" <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. uh, you know, why? <laughs> powered paragliding is not going to feed you or do anything substantial, but you know, starting a new thing, it's daunting. And, um, and honestly, you're going to confront failure, right? Because if you don't water, um, nature will, uh, she's plenty bountiful and abundant. It's unbelievable how much you can produce. But if you don't engage and, and do it, then she'll say, no, okay, well, this is going to die, you know? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, Uh, that's one of the reasons I've really picked things that are easy and accessible and that kind of naturally fit in with what most people can do in, in their, like an hour a day is something that you can fit into your lifestyle. By the way, I am one, one way to try and get people more excited about this. I did a whole series of podcasts with business leaders and entrepreneurs and very wealthy people. Uh, like one was an executive of a healthcare company managing 2000 employees. Another was a uh, startup entrepreneur in some sort of digital whatever, with a budget of, you know, like 25 million. Uh, you know, I mean, it's really accomplished people and they grow their own food. Now, clearly mm-hmm. 
they make more than enough money. They could buy whatever they could buy it. Yeah. Right. So there yeah. has to be something there. Like, yeah. And I'm like, why, you know, I do this podcast with them, you know, why and, and, and how long, and most of them on average were, were out in the yard for 45 minutes a day. And they said one thing there, these, now these are extremely productive people, extremely successful people. Mm-hmm. And they want to be productive no matter what, even when they have downtime. <laughs> so, um, you know, being in working in their gardens or working with their chickens, it's downtime, right? Uh, your, mm. your cell phone and, and dirt do not mix. So, that, you know, you don't take the electronics out there. Um, you're out in nature. It's extremely soothing. Every single one of them said they do it for, for stress relief. Um, and it, it's just, it just really enhances uh, their whole life by, by getting to have that break. And yet they're still producing something. So, you know, they got amazing tomatoes or they're, or they're getting, you know, incredible. Mm. Like this one guy was really into all these different colored eggs. He could give somebody a dozen eggs that were like this whole rainbow. And oh, that's you know, they're, so cool. they're, they're having fun with it, but they're also... You know, an interesting thing also really surprised me of all of them. A lot of them mentioned, um, and these are people that are in control of a lot, right? And they said they loved how kind of out of control the whole thing is. Like mm-hmm. nature is doing this and they're just making all the conditions right as possible. Mm-hmm. But it really ultimately is nature that is doing things. So they have to really be subordinate to to that. Yeah. And they, they really... Uh, uh, they really like that aspect of it, probably because they're in so control in ah. aspects of their life. It's a good counterpose. So, yeah, the the yin and yang in their yeah. life, and and that letting go and just okay, I did my best to try and create the conditions for success. Now it's up to Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Well, do you feel? like a paradigm shift needs to happen with food sustainability for people to wake up like like that it's time it's not just like a nice to have it's like no we need to do this we've needed to do this for a long time Mm -hmm. um you know like the cdc gosh this was even a decade ago was saying they fully expect that all kids one third of all kids born after 2000 were going to become diabetics like that's not natural you know, that's no. not normal. That's got to do with a food supply that has no nutrition in it. And, you know, kids eating too much sugar, you know, I mean, it's, it's this lifestyle thing, you know, our level of uh, cancer and heart disease just skyrocketed, you know, like, I think those are like the number one and two causes of death. And it's totally a lifestyle thing. Mm. Also, commercial agriculture is the most destructive force on the planet. And we have huge dead zones, like in the Gulf of Mexico and all around the border of, of, of the coastlines from all the agricultural toxins and chemicals that have been dumped out there from runoff. So uh, it's a hugely, hugely, hugely destructive system to feed people. And, um, you know, I, the, the, um, the tag, one of the taglines for the Grow Network is, homegrown food on every table and i it's kind of almost a tongue-in-cheek joke because one way or another there's going to be homegrown food on every table because at some point (laughs) you're not going to be able to eat unless you're growing your unless you're growing it yourself wow and that's amazing yeah or you won't be alive because it's um you know I'll, i'll borrow from sally fallon who is the 
spend a lot of time looking at the correlation between health and nutrition and traditional diets. And she's like, you know, there's no way these people are going to live the healthy lives if they're not eating good quality food. It, it's, it's a fundamental, which we, we've ignored with the convenience of, of grocery stores and, and, uh, and, and things that are available to us. But, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one way or another, you will be, if you're alive, you'll be eating on your own food. And it is, it is, I'm, you know, I mean, I, I definitely um, hate to see abrupt change because that's very hard, mm. but, but we are amidst a huge change on this planet and mm. um, we are going to be changing and, and shifting to more sustainable ways of producing food. Uh, because the other systems are collapsing. They are collapsing right now. Mm. Um, and, you know, so centralized food grown by machines on vast mega farms is is not a model that is sustainable. Mm. Interesting. Okay. And who's the friend that you have in the background that's uh, cawing? Oh, did you hear the the sounds? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my housemate, we are, uh, we've seen, we've got a, a set of quail and so she's living oh, quail yeah okay and we're 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 working with quail to use that as a there they go that's a little quail rooster and um we're doing that to uh for people who live in apartments or condominiums uh, oh you know. wonderful i we're, i thought it was a parrot no yeah no and they produce you know quail eggs are delicious and you don't need a lot of space and they're they're actually normally fairly, um, um, most of the hens have this nice little melodious little sound they make, a little chirping sound, and and you get a lot of fertility for your garden or for compost. Um, and then, of course, you get eggs and then and occasionally uh, meat. So, um, you know, is it going to be everything? But no. But is it, a, is it a great thing for somebody who's living in an apartment or condominium? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That is fascinating. So I know we were talking about this before, but do you feel like there is a food shortage now? Yes, I think there is. And I think it's going to get worse. And it's not just me. Um, The president of the Rockefeller Foundation, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation spends a lot of time looking at the whole global food supply. Trying to remember his name. I'm not sure if it's Mm. Raj Singh. Anyway, he uh, has said that... uh, it's a couple of months ago, he said that we have about six months and, and, and this is literally his words that all hell will break loose on this planet. So it puts us around October, November, uh-huh. uh, because you know, the war in Ukraine, we got, that was a few months ago when he said that that six yeah. months. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's the, the, the problems with the, the war in Ukraine and the wheat, there's, you know, wheat farm, that's the breadbasket for Europe. And, and those farmers are now, you know, trying to, stay alive right they're not farming um here in the united states the cost of the diesel and the cost of the fertilizers and the cost of the roundup has gone up so much a lot of farmers are are not planning they're just Mm -hmm. saying look this is ridiculous um there's also a very severe drought in the western u.s which is a big producer for for wheat and potatoes uh and of course california uh but around the globe there we're having a lot of really bizarre weather incidents um, some countries are just shutting down and saying, we're not going to export because we know we're going to have to feed our people. And we, we aren't. Interesting. Let the food go. Wow. 
So here in the U.S., we're going to be better off because we are a net producer. Um, and we are, you know, still the wealthiest country, uh, one of the wealthiest countries in, in the world. But this is going to be felt by everybody to some extent. Mm, yeah, amazing. And also, what about the transportation and the truck drivers? Is, is that still an issue with the supply chain? That, that still is, yeah. And then the cost of diesel, which has, has gone up pretty significantly. Um, and I don't totally understand it, but they're saying that there's going to be some kind of crisis with diesel coming in the next few months. And that's our entire delivery system. So, um, you know, that's definitely an issue. Um, we've got a lot of problems and, and it's, it's almost like a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here. And it doesn't seem like that much, but it's all compounding. And we, we are about to face a a big storm. I'm, I'm not a big fan of, 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 of gloom or doom, but I am very pragmatic mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it really is time. We also have inflation and hyperinflation, right? Uh, you know, they they are not slowing down on the printing of dollars. Um, inflation comes because they printed trillions of dollars. <laughs> it's really, yeah. really simple, right? It's really simple economics. And that's just, that has not yet fully played out. And uh, that will cause more and more prices to continue to increase, which creates this never-ending uh, spiral. We've got a lot of things, a lot of things um, coming at us. So my first advice is absolutely good. You right now, go out and buy some backup, you know, buy some food. Go If you love, uh, like I love, uh, you know, coconut milk, right? Mm -hmm. So I'll buy, instead of buying my can of coconut milk, I'll buy a case or two cases, right? You know, right now the can costs $5 a can. It cost $4 a can two months ago. So by buying it in the case, I'm, you know, saving or I'm preserving my money. Uh, you know, and it, it's just a good thing to have food on hand. Um, and then the other, of course, is to growing your own food is like printing your own money. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's amazing. So what do you think is going to happen to grocery stores? Are, are they going to start to go out of business or consolidate, streamline? Like, what do you think the ultimate effect would be? Well, we are are starting to see some of them um, shutting down. Um, okay, I believe I believe Walmart has started shutting down some um, uh, stores in locations, and this is in the U.S. Okay, and it's partly due to some supply issues, but it's also due to uh, high amounts of theft, and they can't really. Mitigate. Yeah, so you know, I mean, yeah, because there are people who are at that level where. That, that's what's becoming uh, the option. Um, when, when, well, traditionally, what governments do when inflation starts to get out of control uh, is price and wage controls. And, um, and before you say, oh, that'll never happen here, it happened, I believe it was 1974 with the Nixon administration. For a while there, we had price and wage controls. So it absolutely is in the playbook. And I think that we will see that. And when you see that, uh, then things are going to get even more scarce because that just totally shuts down uh, uh, all kinds of uh, normal market uh, functioning. So yes, we could definitely be looking at, at scenarios where there's less and less 
uh, available at the grocery stores or the, or the grocery stores actually do shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I know, you know, another thing that I find interesting is that some places are not finding enough, uh, employees, people to work, to sustain the, the stores as well, which I find it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, There's for a while there with the stimulus money and the, and the, uh, and the uh, unemployment checks people get, nobody wanted to work. And I was like, I totally relate to that. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I think a lot of us have gotten used to uh, empty shelves now too, or lack mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. It's not fact, shocking anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, I had a girlfriend and, and I said, look, you know, things are not back to normal. And she That's said, yeah, right. they are. everything's fine. I said, all <laughs> right, come with me. So <laughs> we're in Austin. Fine. Yeah. We're, we were in Austin, Texas at a, uh, at a conference and I said, come with me. We walked three blocks to um, uh, fourth and Congress there to where there's a, a Walgreens and I, and we walked into the Walgreens. I hadn't even been in there before. I said, I get any store, let's just go in. And I'm like, look, and sure enough, at least 10% of the shelves had a, had either there would be one product and it'd be up at the front and there'd be nothing behind it. Or there were just flat out. Nothing okay. was available. Um, she was kind of funny. She's like, oh, my favorite mascara is not here. I'm like, you should be worried about more than your mascara. You know, like, look, you know, uh, for a while there, I, w- I was doing a lot of traveling and promotion and speaking. You know, I have this book that came out. I'm going to have to do some shameless promotion of my book. But, you know, when you're an author, you do all that. And, and I just made it kind of a game to go into different stores and look around. And it is happening everywhere. There are and but a lot of people were kind of used to it now. Like, oh, that's you know, that's not there or that's an empty shelf and it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. That never used to be like that, you know. No, um, that's true. That's true. Well, tell me about the homesteading summit. Do you feel like that's helpful for people? We used to do those all the time. I, I haven't been doing that uh, a huge amount of work to produce that. It's just a huge amount of work. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. So um, one thing that we've been doing now that we found more effective um, is uh, at the growyourowngroceries.com website. I have a a free webinar where I teach people that very simple system of how to grow half of your own food in your backyard in less than an hour a day. And I go into more in detail on what that looks like, how to set it up, um, how much calories are produced, what what kind of skills you're going to need, what it's going to look like in the beginning. and, And You'll be able to come away from that regardless of where you live or what season you're in. You'll come away with a plan that you can get started immediately on implementing this uh, and and how to get going. And that's at at growyourowngroceries.com. And that's what we found now is the best thing is because people want something that's direct, that's actionable, that's simple. Right away. Right away. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and that's this is targeted to people who know nothing. Maybe they're older, they're out of shape, uh, but they know they want to start producing a lot of calories, a lot of quality nutrition very quickly. How can I get started right now? And that's what that's who this is for. Yeah, that's amazing. So let's talk about your book, The Grow System. What inspired yeah. you to write it and how has it been received? Oh my gosh, let me, uh, I have a copy of it somewhere. Hang on one second. It's bad to be an author and not, not oh, here it is. And to be an author and not have your book handy, right? <laughs> so here's the yeah. grow system. Okay. Uh, oops. There, the there it is. Yep. Yep. 
so uh, this is a fun this is a fun thing so i've been in this space forever right and um uh you know as an author getting somebody to publish your book is if you get a publisher it's like oh my god that's great <laughs> well i had 18 publishers bid on this book oh my god that's I know, insane. right i'm like that's insane wow and, uh, i've only least, self-published i've never had a publisher at least five of them said this book will be a new york times bestseller so um and of course penguin random house won the bidding right they're the largest i think the largest english language publisher on okay the so you know so they can they have the most resources and uh-huh and <laughs> the most money to give an author for an advance um yeah and it's been great working with them um and the the reason to write the book so the book has that simple the three-part uh system in there uh explained mm-hmm. down in detail with like plans for the chicken coop and a lot of stories like really inspiring stories um and then it also because home medicine is such a big part of this it goes into like how to treat 12 common ailments with, with simple home medicines that you can make yourself from herbs that probably are growing around you. And, um, you know, we, over the years, we found people really want a book, right? So, um, we're looking at times where the grid could go down pretty regularly, right? You know, like it's, uh, I think, I think that we will always have the internet to some extent, but there could definitely be times when it's not available. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, people, people want books. And um, so we, we went ahead and, and did that. And and before you say no, you know, Texas, what was it two years ago, had that ice storm and my um, IT director who lives in North Texas, we couldn't even call him for a week. You know, there was, wow. everything was completely out. He was figuring out how to stay warm and keep his chickens warm. <laughs> oh, they're all cuddled up together. They were all cuddled Sweet. up together. Yeah. So. Oh. Well, I want to talk about the medicine too, because I think that's really important. Uh, um, the kind of natural medicine that can mm-hmm. be made so what kind of ailments I know everybody c- can buy your book. If you could just give us a highlight. Sure. Yeah, sure. So, um, one of the chapters in the book is, uh, and this is a little, this is kind of like maybe when you get to be an advanced after using medicine, but uh, I'm a barefooter and uh, was doing something stupid and I got bitten by a, a copperhead snake out in the garden and um, we didn't go to the hospital. We treated the whole thing at home. Uh, we used a uh, prickly pear to poultice it. And, um, you know, a lot of people are shocked by that, but if you think about it, you know, think about like the Roman and Roman and Greek times. These guys are beating each other with swords and yeah. each other. And, you know, and yes, yeah, some of them did die from their wounds, but a lot of them got infected wounds and they did not die. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, so there are techniques that have been used for thousands of years to how to treat infections without, you know, long before pharmaceuticals ever became available, how to treat these kind of things. And so those, those simple, those medicines are still extremely effective and they're available to you today so um one of the one of the chapters in the book talks about you know just what what we did specifically for that but a lot of other things are really simple like using elderberries to make a, a cough syrup you know elderberries mm. and honey and um how to maybe just use maybe a mint tea something as simple as a, as a mint tea to calm mm. your your stomach down or mm. You know, we'd go on car trips and my daughter always got upset tummies and we'd make her a mint tea with maybe just a little bit of honey or something. It always helped soothe her. 
or, um, you know, again, family vacations. We're, we were a sporty family, you know, so that we were always doing way overdoing it. So sore muscles and getting, you know, so ginger and turmeric, uh, great uh, teas or add it to foods. And that really, really helps uh, to reduce inflammation and help, you know, get your body uh, feeling a lot better, especially when you've overexerted yourself physically. So a lot of, uh, a lot of really simple stuff like that, that probably your grandmother knew really. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. I I love that. I love ginger and mint. And is it easy to grow ginger? It it actually is. Yeah. I've I've had it, you know, when I bought it from the grocery store and then left it on the counter for too long, it started sprouting. It's definitely a tropical plant. So if you're going to grow it in the Northern climates, uh, you're going to need to bring, bring it in during the winter. Oh, put it, put it in a pot or something. Yeah. Well, how can someone get started if they have, uh, no experience gardening? So that would be me. Yeah. Well, I, we yeah. did we did have our first garden this year Congratulations. Um, yeah. yeah so we did get started but just you know for those listening that maybe haven't started yet yeah I'm, I'm finding that more and more when I get on with different hosts and they they used to be like oh well that'd be nice for those people now they're like yeah we just started I'm like no, okay yeah, yeah. See, it's turning yeah I go to, go to growyourowngroceries.com and that's where that webinar is. It's a free, you know, just sign up and, and, um, and, uh, it's a, it's a free webinar. Um, and again, I've really condensed like 20 years of really looking at this problem of how does somebody who doesn't know anything, maybe they're older or out of shape. How do they get started? Maybe it's a grid down situation. What can you do? And so, um, yeah, it's a webinar and, uh, there's no charge for it. Um, I will give you a heads up, you know, I'll make you an offer uh, for the book and then some training to, to really help you um, um, get that all completely dialed in. We have also have a really active group of homesteaders with a lot of experience that you'll get hooked into that network that can answer all your questions and help you out. So, but the, the main way to get started is to go to growyourowngroceries.com. Mm, that's amazing. So what is Zen success to you? What is Zen, Z-E-N success? Zen success. Wow. I, for me, I would say, uh, yeah, well, just what I've done with my life of, of learning how to provide for myself without a governmental, industrial, military complex, you know, being mm. able to work directly with creation and have that deep sense of security. Um and fulfillment from working directly with the earth to provide for my most, most basic needs of, of food and medicine and health. You know, your health is, that's your most important asset. It mm-hmm. really is, you know, more, way more important than money. <laughs> All right. I agree. And, and you've been there. You've, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. Guys, that's amazing. I love your story about Robert Kiyosaki too. That's so fun. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you, learning about your kids and hearing about your book, The Grow System. I'll put your website, how to do the webinar and connect with you in the show notes. So yeah, much Zen success yeah. on your yeah, journey. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, yeah, reach out. I'm in the forums all the time at The Grow Network. And once once you go to the web webinar, you'll, you'll get that. And we'd love to stay in touch. So just post up some photos of your garden. Ah, 
Okay. I'll brag a little bit. There All right. Go. Sounds good. Take okay. care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.